This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Coming up, we've got all the news and views from Manchester City's week. Get involved with the debate by tweeting at Blue Moon Podcast and check out exclusive interviews on bluemoonpodcast.com. It's your club and this is your show. On last week's show, we were asking for the real Manchester City to stand up and be counted. Well, it seemed like the same old story at St James's Park, but then, out of the blue, the display at Burnley was like something out of the last two seasons. Perhaps it makes us spoiled grumbling at recent weeks, but it certainly felt good to watch City take a team to the cleaners once again. Welcome to this week's Blue Moon Podcast, where attention now turns to Saturday's Manchester derby. We'll be hearing some memories of big derby wins from some former City stars who had a hand in making those games special. Plus, we'll get the thoughts of our panel on how this season's first derby is shaping up. Howard Hawkins back, plus your questions are in Ask the Panel, so let's get this show on the road. I'm your host, David Mooney. With me is City fan and Blue Moon podcast debutant, Ali Fogg. Good evening. And former City striker, Leon Mike. How you doing? I'm not too bad, thanks. So, uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a, a, a strange week, all told, Ali. Um, sometimes you get the, the feeling that some games are like turning points in a season. Was Burnley one of them? Uh, I don't know how it feels in the city dressing room, but it certainly feels like that in my head. <laughs> I, I feel an awful lot better now than I did 24 hours ago. Um, it's funny, And isn't I don't it? really know why. Um, and without uh, overly anticipating our conversation, um, it felt like our team produced a 8 out of 10, maybe even a 9 out of 10 performance last night. No, 8.5 out of 10 performance. Uh, and yet lots of our players kind of produced 6 or, six or 7 uh, out of 10 yeah. performances and yet somehow they gelled and the magic happened um, and I think there's there's one or two one or two players can account for that but we'll probably come back to that Well it's the first time for a while where it's felt like City haven't let their opposition play We absolutely bullied them and we bullied a team that do not get bullied by anyone and that was what was really impressive and gratifying to see last night Yeah, yeah. I mean uh, Leon when you, when you see that sort of performance that City put in against Burnley you kind of left asking where where has that been well i think it's that was a statement performance i think the last sort of 5 to 6 weeks for city have been quite tumultuous you've been up and down um and i think in terms of last night that was a statement that was look we're on our game now we're going to go on a run i could see you guys now going on a, a run of maybe 10 unbeaten 10 wins 9 wins maybe um and really putting that pressure on 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 uh, liverpool um at the top of the table for the first time in a while, it didn't feel like pulling teeth as well. I, like that, that, that was how I felt at, at watching it at, at, at Newcastle. Well, I think what's been quite prominent, I, I said this to a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago, when City are playing well, when a Guardiola team generally is playing well, let's forget Barcelona because you, you, you had Messi, but when a Guardiola team is playing well, you don't tend to notice any standout performances. You just Everything happens on the pitch and everyone's probably been, like you say, a six or maybe a seven but you don't really notice because everything, the football between the, you know the eleven on the pitch has been really good. And I thought last night was that performance. I think we could look at Rodri maybe and say he was probably one of the standout because Burnley's not you know as you said Ali it's not a it's not an easy place to go and um, they do like to try and bully you. But City stood up to that and then went ahead and, and played their own football and, and produced a great performance. It's that old phrase, isn't it? Greater than the sum of the parts. Yeah. I mean, although those parts, uh, like I say, you know, a lot of players were six or seven out of ten. Um, Jesus was nine out of ten. And Rodri was about 27 out of ten. <laughs> uh, he, he did absolutely everything and then did it again and mm. then did it standing on one leg and yeah. just waving to the crowd. You know, he was just immense. He was a mountain last night. I was about to throw this question in, but I suspect I know the answer to it already. Was that his best performance in a City shirt so far? By by a long way, I think. Um, mm. Although having said that, there was a period in kind of September. He had a few weeks uh, through August where it, we were kind of watching him, thinking, "Okay, how's this guy? Okay, he's quite good. Okay, mm. yeah, he's very good. Okay, he's the the real deal." And then, kind of four or five games, probably through Got September injured. into October, when he was just absolutely dominating everything. We looked great. We were we were blowing teams away. And then I think was it the Atlanta game? I think he broke down, uh, and he hasn't been back since. Or he came back. In the Chelsea game, I was I was at that game, and I was watching it. And the friend I was with, uh, I turned to him at half time, and I said, "You know how normally when Rodri is on his game, just the ball comes to him, everything sticks to him, nothing mm. will go through him." And that day, I mean, we we sneaked it two one against Chelsea, mm -hmm. but 
while he was on the pitch, he went off after about an hour, I think. But yeah, while he was on, everything was going on around him, uh, and he just couldn't get into it at all. Um, and it's taken those extra couple of weeks, and then bang, he was back in a big way last night. And mm-hmm. that's why I feel so much better about the the weeks to come. Leon, you must have been there when you've had a dip in form, and suddenly you have that game that 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 kind of makes it all click again. Mm-hmm. What, what what's that like? What's that feeling like? Uh, you ever had a car break down on you, and then you take it to the garage, and it comes back, and you think. Well, it's like new. <laughs> that's how it feels. You you get in the change room after the game, you go, that's a great feeling. I bet you don't um, want to stop the game, do you? No, you, you, don't, carry on. you don't want the game to stop. And to be fair, I bet he didn't sleep a wink last night um, because he would have been so buzzing off the adrenaline, uh, the adrenaline of the game, having played so well. And, uh, I mean, in terms of confidence then for the coming weeks, what will he take from this? Him personally or... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he'll, he'll take massive confidence from that. I think he'll be quite pivotal for them. I think um, in terms of... Um, that Fernandinho role, as you guys might call it, he's as close to perfect as you would you would want for that role. His passing's unreal. His positional sense is really good. He's a tough lad, um, so he's he's made for that position. He, it's just for him to take it on, really. And um, but in in terms of the next, like as I say, nine to ten games, I can see you guys going on a, on a you know on a big run, um, and him him being a major part of it. And it was, I mean, it was a lovely goal to finish as well, Ali. Oh, and it, it, if it hadn't hit the back of the net, it would still be going now. I mean, you, know, <laughs> when you, you know, when you see a ball like, fly like that, it's and moving. It's still, it's still accelerating when it hits the back yeah. of the net. And, it, it, uh, oh, I don't know, it was like... Um, when you hit when you hit the the buttons at just the right point in the PlayStation and you get and you get the special move goal, you know, I, I guarantee the afterburners you. were coming on after the ball. I yeah. guarantee it. I've never done that. <laughs> I, I'm going what people tell me. I saw a slow replay of that goal this morning, and um, if Raheem Sterling hadn't ducked, he would have gone into the back. He was so yeah. close. You don't know how he got out of the way. Well, uh, th- there was a funny moment in the press conference after the game as well. I mean, we've all been there, let's be honest, hand on heart, we've done it. We've accidentally said an ex's name at the wrong time. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is, just know. <laughs> this is Pep Guardiola talking about Rodri on Tuesday night. I think he adjusts and he's sweet perfect for this league, honestly. And I think by Munich, by Munich. Man City bought uh, by Munich. What the fuck? <laughs> Man City. Man, I, I don't know what, what I thought. I think Man City bought uh, bought uh, an incredible player for the next years. For a pledge of two dollars a month, you can hear our weekly bonus show on a wide range of city topics. There's more details on patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast. Pep Guardiola there uh, forgetting the club that he works for. Um, just a quick thing on the on the overall display, Ali. Um, how, much of the, how much of that display do you feel was was down to the almost that sense of the pressure being off? If the, if the, if the title is that far out of grasp now that they're just waiting for Liverpool to, to make mistakes and, and kind of just focusing on themselves, does that relieve the pressure? You would think it would have to. Um... I, 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 Leon's better placed than I am to talk about the pressures of, of professional football, but I think the psychology of the game is fascinating, and the way uh, form and confidence and and uh, just kind of love of love of the game that you're playing at any given minute comes in waves, and when you're riding the wave, it seems to get easier and easier, and and it all falls together, and then once that dip comes and it's on the way down, it doesn't matter what you're doing, that dip is dragging you down, whichever way it goes, and it, and I think um, people forget a lot about the kind of the the uh, when you talk about biorhythms, you know, the the you know, how how well you can keep your body at fit, uh, physical peak, um, but actually the psychological peaks as well. You cannot stay at a at a top level for an entire season or, or for year after year after year um, concentration dips and form dips and it just kind of it felt like we had a, a lot of weeks where a whole load of our, our players all at the same time combined with physical breakdown and injuries which uh, made it all so much worse just everyone was in a bit of a slump at the same time um, and I, I can only assume that that you know they will be playing with a spring in their step again now. It's blown the cobwebs uh, out. But it? Yeah, yeah. It, it has, and I think that thing of um, when you're chasing—I mean, I don't know—you would say you would rather be on on someone's shoulder if you were a, a, if you're Mo Farah and you're running five thousand meters. You know, you'd say you'd rather stay in the on the guy in front's shoulder and then pass him on the last. There's less pressure that way. On the other hand, 
we've led from the front and we've held it together in the past. Uh, Liverpool have led from the front and they've cr- they've crumbled in the past. It can go, it can play out in so many different ways. Um, but it, it did feel like something, the shackles were off. Now, whether that's just about the pressure of when you're 11 points behind, it really doesn't matter. You know, he's like, all you can do is play the next game and keep playing the next game. But, you know, they should have had that in their head from the first go. And I'd, I'm not quite sure why they didn't, but maybe Leon <coughs> can tell us. Um, I'd I'd say it's less to do with the pressure. The pressure's always there. Mm. Um, as a player, you go in every single day in training. If you don't train right, there's a chance you might not be in the starting 11 on a Saturday. If you don't have a good month, you might not be in the team for another month or two. So the pressure, I don't think the pressure has changed. I think what what happened to change was a mentality. And I think what happened with uh, with, with the boys, oh God, a while back. Um, and I think if we go back to probably the Wolves game, I think their confidence took a big hit because they'd been so invincible at home, especially for so long, for Wolves to come. Who, who do play good football, don't get me wrong, but for Wolverhampton Wanderers to come to, to the Etihad and play and, and win, um, in that game I think it knocked the boys confident so all of a sudden you start doing things that you don't normally do and I've watched City probably three or four times in the past um, couple of months and each time I think it doesn't look like all the players are confident it feels though now doing. it feels though now that team like certainly Burnley were intimidated by City again I think well that was down to City imposing themselves because if City went there with the mentality that they'd maybe had the month before Burnley would smell that and they'd be all over it. That's the type of team Burnley are. They smell that kind of uh, self-doubt and they, they, they impact on it. Um, but City went there last night with all the swagger of, of you know the team that they, they we all know that they are. And Burnley just couldn't handle them. Simple as that. So I think in terms of um, pressure, the pressure's always there. They're trying to catch City. If they're on top now and the roles were reversed, the pressure would be, can we maintain that gap? You know, if... Everton were to go and get a result at Anfield tonight, all of a sudden the pressure would change for Liverpool because all of a sudden oh, we've dropped two points or we've dropped three points and City have won now, oh gosh. Um, so I think that happened to, to, to the City lads against Wolves. The confidence dipped. The games come thick and fast. You always get a chance at redemption, but once your confidence is down, it takes a bit of time to get it back up. And I think Rodri stood up last night and said, right, come on, boys. Let's, let's do this. Yeah, let's think, let's yeah. do it and, 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 and kick on for the rest of the season. Now, I need to ask you, Leon, as a, as a former striker, um, City are having a, a, a one-team goal of the month competition at the moment. <laughs> uh, which, which one was the best? Because Jesus' goal opener was was an absolute stunner. Mares, I thought, pulled off a great finish. <laughs> yeah. De Bruyne at Newcastle was fantastic. Yeah. You know, and then Rodri as well. <sighs> how, do you, how do you choose between those? I mean, personally... From a striker's point of view, I appreciated Jesus's um, the most, um, but it was a goal scored by a striker in a striker's way, so that's probably why I appreciate. It. But honestly, you could pick either one of those, and you know they'd be fine to to win goal of the month. I'm sure. Now, why why was City suddenly so much more clinical? Do you think, uh, Ali? Because we've we've talked in the in, in the last few weeks, City creating or, or not or struggling to create chances, and then when they do, not finishing them off, and then at Burnley, it seemed like they could create. Well, I mean, I mean, they missed a, a couple of decent chances, but most of what they created went in. Yeah, I think um, I thought Silva was better last night than he's been for a while. Um, I think a lot, I mean, something that hasn't been said much over the last few weeks when we have had this dip in form is people have talked endlessly about our centre backs and problems with defence, um, and that's well trodden ground. You know, we 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 have had injuries and, and we have got problems there, um, but we haven't been doing that great going forward either and particularly you know, our number eights have not had the magic in their boots that we've been used to for the last you know, two, three, four years um, and it's very hard to I can't, you know, you can't order it you can't say right come on Kevin De Bruyne produce a just, bit of magic just, just no. do it yeah. Yeah, yeah, just mm. do it yeah. uh, wave your magic wand David you know? <laughs> and, well I mean you can say that and I, I shout it at the telly or I shout it from the terraces or whatever but you can't just do it but they, don't, yeah. Yeah, they don't pay any attention when I tell them <laughs> um, so you know if that magic is not there then you know we're not scoring goals and you know we, we've been losing on average one or two goals a game over the last month um, but we've only been scoring an average of one or two goals a well, game. Do you, do you know the last, last time? Month. You know the last time in the Premier League they scored more than uh, two in a game? 
Uh, before before Burnley, it was Watford the eight 0 yeah, and that's that was way back that. in September. Yeah. So it just it yeah. just kind of goes. I mean, to had, show. had we been scoring three, four, or five goals every week, then our defensive problems would not have mattered in the slightest. No one would have even noticed. Um, so you know there was there was we had more problems. We had deeper problems than just the you know the back four or or the centre back two. Um, so there, there was a bit of that. I think you know there, there was a bit more um, sparkle coming, particularly from David Silva and Kevin De Bruyne. Then you know, he's he's always great. Even when he has a bad game, he's still a contender for man of the match. <laughs> That's Kevin. Um, and uh, again, last night he was he was everywhere and he put out some really good. But um, but as you know, we both said, and particularly Leon said earlier, there um, this, the 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 hole was much greater than some of the parts last night. And and it's just whatever whatever they were doing, it was working. I think the, I suspect it's the movement. Um, the movement off the ball was really good. There was always options. Uh, and I think when we weren't playing as well. Uh, that was one of the things that had dropped a level, and it only takes a, a you know a couple of percent, and and that's the difference between someone being clear and able to take the ball and turn and move, and just being you know one pace slower or a fraction of a millisecond later to to react, and and you just don't get that first touch to the ball. Um, so I think it's it was a whole lot of the tiny little pieces all all coming together. Um, and and it was a bit like the magic just came back a little bit. And and to be fair, uh, I mean Jesus pr- provided a lot of it. That he he was exceptional last night. I was going to stole. I was going to pick up on that because Leon, you talked about how how good Rodri was. Um, as as a member of the strikers union, I'm surprised that uh, that Gabriel Jesus didn't get the nod because I mean those got he he looked like he needed a goal. And yeah. as soon as that ball hit the net, I mean it's a great finish. Yeah. But as soon as the ball hit the net, he was a completely different player. See, I'm going to sound a little bitter here. But I think if you play uh, as the number nine in Manchester City's team, you should be getting goals. Simple as. Um, when they're on form, and I think um, I think you were very uh, correct or very on point, Ali, when you said, um, you know, nobody talks about City centre half. No one talks about City's defence when when they're playing well because they barely have any say in the game. They might make one or two tackles and play a few passes forward, but. When City are on form, the other team don't have the ball, so it doesn't matter. About, you know what? Which they could have Pep Guardiola and Arteta centre half, and win most of the Premier League games they play. It's, it's a fact. So this, um, this is going to sound like a proper humble brag now, but I've got to throw it in there. Um, I, I've played against Guardiola recently, okay, um, <laughs> and uh, he cannot move. <laughs> he absolutely cannot move. Right, but I bet so, he can play. But he could still play. I bet he, he, still, can yeah. play. Yeah. Was, he came through to the. He was on the edge of the box and he had the ball and he threaded it through. To it was a. It was a media against City staff yeah. game and uh, he threaded it through to one of the staff who, who uh, skewed a shot wide. Mm-hmm. And I was praying him. I was praying for him to have a shot from the edge of the box <laughs> just so that I could save it. I, want, I, 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 like, I It was a very specific instruction. I want you to shoot well, yeah. but not so well that I can't get yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think now as well more than ever um, and I'm not sure anyone's picked up on this yet I think Phil Foden's going to have quite a big say in this second half of the season only because what I see from David Silva is still the, the the magician we've seen for the you know past half a decade or how long he's been at the club but uh, the physical side of the game's catching up with him now I think I think he's he's starting to feel it I don't think he could play two games a week um, which means Phil Foden's got to you know step into his boots because he is the you know, I wouldn't say David Silver um, uh, blueprint. It's kind of like, like Junior, that. David Silver Junior. Yeah, David Junior. Yeah, light if you want to yeah. call him. Um, until he, he he gains his experience, but he's gonna he's gonna have a big second half of the season, I think, in in terms of um, covering David Silver because he he's blatantly obvious. He's still a fantastic footballer. He just can't do it every single week, two games a week anymore. I've got to say, I was really surprised David Silva played almost 90 minutes last night. Was it 85 or something? Yeah, it kind of suggests that he won't play on yeah, Saturday. I was about to say the same thing, so you know, maybe we'll see Phil on Saturday. Which yeah. Mm. Um, Ali, you mentioned the uh, the, the problems in the defence. Um, we, we'll touch on it a little bit, but it's not the main story of the week, so we won't spend too much time on it. Um, I am interested, though, because Newcastle's expected goals was 0.2 and they scored twice. Burnley's was, was 0.6 and they got one. So that's a combined 0.8 and three goals conceded there. It kind of it, it kind of suggests that if City give up chances, they're good chances. Yeah, I, I wish I had a, a, a intelligent explanation for, for that <laughs> phenomenon you just described, but I don't. Um, uh, We've we've got caught. It can't, by, it can't just we've be got that. caught by a few sucker punches. Yeah, of late. I, you know, it's like sometimes you just get mugged and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, not many of the goals have been shockers. I mean, we 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 haven't 
uh, Ederson hasn't thrown the ball into his own net or anything. I'm, I'm trying to think. Newcastle's of two were ones. well hit as well. I mean, yeah, but... yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, and uh, um, I mean, uh, the the worst one I think I've seen in recent weeks was uh, the one goal Chelsea got, uh, which at the game I thought, okay, that was, they, there was a brilliant ball play. I think uh, was, was it Kovacic? I think um, Yeah. Um, for and Kante picked it up and, and it was a beautiful goal to watch and in the second I just thought okay yeah, there's nothing you can do about it and then I went back and I watched the replay and I watched it frame by frame the way you do when you're trying to make sense of something <laughs> and that was when I saw John Stones standing with his hand up while the ball was going past him playing an offside trap that wasn't there uh, and had he gone back with the other two defend or with, with Fernandinho and Mendy who actually were, were covering Kante's run um, that goal wouldn't have happened uh, and it's little things like that which you don't always see. And I'm I'm not a, a tactical. Uh, I, I claim no expertise in, in the fine details of defending. Um, but there was a big problem there. And I think that thing of a centre half standing with his arm in the air when the game is flying past him over his shoulder is something that defenders do when they're not fully fit and they're not fully confident and they hope to steal an offside rather than actually doing their job. Um, so. Yeah, you know, I I think that's where you know, we've been needing to look. But again, yeah, you know, I think that I'm I'm still a big John Stones fan. Yeah, you know, he doesn't need to do that. He's 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 better than that, and he should be better than that. And I don't know if it's a, if it's his fitness or his head's just not quite there or its form or what it is. But there's been too much of that. Um, but uh, but to come back to your point, yeah, no, we've we've lost some goals and. That's something that happens. Um, I thought I'd solved the problem up until ninety-four minutes or whenever it was. When <laughs> they saw, I, I thought I'd, you'd solve it. I solved solved it. it. Yeah, yeah, you know, cause what I did. <laughs> what I did after the game on, on uh, Newcastle, I went back to my <coughs> fantasy football team and I dropped Ederson. I, I chose a new goalkeeper and I thought that'll sort it. <laughs> I did that with uh, with De Bruyne, so maybe maybe that, maybe that was a, maybe that was what was needed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Leon, one final question for the uh, for the first part of the show. Uh, I don't know if you saw the story. Uh, City went to, to Burnley. The uh, the lights went out in the dressing room. They had to spend the first fifteen minutes uh, of their preparations in the dark. Um, talk, talk to me about dressing rooms. The, the, you must have some sort of funny story that's that where you've gone somewhere and it's not been quite as what you've expected or something uh, like that. Yeah, I don't think that we've ever been in a dressing room where the lights have gone out. But I've been in plenty of dressing rooms where the water suddenly turns off in the shower or. Oh, you can't get a shower or um, you know something might not be working in the dressing room tends to be the away team you know Funny that, play, playing games with you um, but yeah in terms of the lights going out and having a rave before a game <laughs> can't say it's ever happened to me you know no, great preparations as far as I can tell oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did you did you ever go to one of those cup games where you're a non-league side or you're, you're getting changed in a shed and um, oh, yeah. uh, next to Superstars well I played non-league as well of course so yeah. I played non-league yeah but it, it's when you're bringing the, the yeah. Superstar I mean, internationals well, to there that what, it's fun what we used to I mean it was fun in, when we used to go to those types of mm. you know we'd go places like Bamber Bridge and and you'd, you'd go and <laughs> no one would say anything. You'd, you'd get in there and it'd be, instead of, right, back down, let's get ready. It'd be, back down, <laughs> sit down. <sighs> but uh, I think what that used to do was it, business head straight away. Yeah. Um, so you wouldn't get a chance to be in luxury and, oh, I'll go and sit in the toilet for five minutes. Oh, I might go and stand in the shower. No. You get in there, you get changed, you get out, and you get on with your job. Yeah, these are—I mean, these are people. I've—I've I've spent my most of my football career, I say career in very, very loose terms, uh, getting changed in the car. Anyway, so where do these people want? You know, <laughs> arriving with your shorts under your jeans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not having a shower because the only water oh, facilities nearby are the lake. So you know, it's a... yeah, right. <laughs> Right, so it might be hard to believe, but in the last decade, City's record against United has actually been better at Old Trafford than it has at the Etihad. Since City dished out a 4-1 battering under Manuel Pellegrini in September 2013, all of their home Manchester derbies have been quite nervy, with only one settled by more than one goal. Ahead of Saturday's meeting, I've been dipping into the Blue Moon podcast archives to get some of the memories of some of the players who have helped deal out some home derby batterings. When United turned up to newly promoted City's main road on the 23rd of September 1989, they must have been feeling confident. Alex Ferguson's expensively assembled team were up against a side filmed with young talent. Ian Bishop was one of those in Mel Machin's lineup. You never believe you're going to get your ass kicked. 
you're never going to believe that you're going to go and trounce them 5-1, neither. We were a young team. They were a team full of superstars. Bishop scored the third of City's five that day. I didn't realise how far I'd run, to be honest with you. But I remember when Stevie Redmond broke the attack up on the edge of our box, and I was more or less standing next to him. And I think it was Paul Ince at the time. He was there alongside me, and he just didn't track me, which I must have deceived him with me, with me pace. Uh, he probably didn't realise somebody could run that slow. His diving header made it 3-0 after just 35 minutes. The way it panned out, seeing Dave Oldfield, and it could have just, it could have never happened if Gary Pallister would have got more of a touch on it. You know, if David had chipped it to the back post. I remember Trevor, he was, he was going to have a go at me because I didn't leave it for him. And then obviously when it went in the net, it all changed. It was a shock for the fans in the home end who couldn't have even dreamed about being so dominant over United after eight years without a derby win. I just threw myself at it. I knew that. I just thought, it's there, it's there. I'm going to have to die for this one. And I don't know what's going to happen afterwards because I ended up sliding upside down and Jim Layton was coming out. I don't know what his feet first or whatever, but I didn't see it going. I don't know if you, you recall, if you look at the video, the Betamax, whatever it was, in black and white. That once it's, I've heard the roar, I've sort of looked up and tried to look where the ball was, and then it was like a delay before I started running away, you know. That 5-1 win at Main Road was the last time the fans got to cheer a victory over United for over 13 years. In fact, the next win was in the last fixture with the Reds that would ever be played on that ground. Nicholas Anelka opened the scoring. It's something I will never forget because uh, I saw in you know city highs the fans they were like so happy to, uh, to first to score against uh, United but to win because the most important at the end it was not me to score it was to win against United and uh, it's something I will never forget. The most memorable goals of that 3-1 win though were Sean Goethe's 99th and 100th for the club. The goals I thought were, were good goals because. Um, I dig one over Bartes as a World Cup winning goalkeeper, so um, took a lot of joy in that. And uh, the City fans, obviously, the girl, the girl they love, and I think I've easily come to love as much, is uh, the, the one that never, never fed me. Um, and it was a great, it was a great ball by him as well. After that win for the first time in more than 20 years, City got back-to-back -back home victories over United. A 4-1 success in the first meeting at the newly opened City of Manchester Stadium was one to remember. After Robbie Fowler had opened the scoring on three minutes, John Macken doubled it just after the half hour. I remember the build-up to it, I remember obviously being the first game, everyone was uh, excited and it was a big, uh, a big deal at the time and obviously we managed to give me the nod that I was playing, I sorted the tickets out for the family so to speak and, uh, and then once again, luckily enough, got the, the second goal. I suppose uh, that's an important goal that won the game, <laughs> but we won 4-1, didn't we? So it was a, no, it was a fantastic performance. It was a, it was a real good performance. That it was more special for Macken having started his career at United. You go in with belief. You know, it's your first game. You, you know, it's a derby. Derbies are always going to be exciting, kind of like a cup game, really. You know, because it's uh, you want to go and you want to do well, and you you know you want to get one over on your rivals, and, that, and that's what we did. And you know, fortunately, we was a better side on the day. You know, all over the pitch and. You know, we want the, the scoreline reflects that, I suppose. The third goal that day came from Trevor Sinclair. I wasn't having a great time at City at the time. My form wasn't good and I was struggling to get into the side and the team were quite playing quite well and it was all a bit of a struggle. And I remember Steve, I think it was Steve McManaman and uh, Claudio Reyna come off for subs at half-time and, and Kevin went, you're coming on. And I just remember going to the toilet. I'm not really a religious person, but I went to the toilet and I prayed, just give me one 45 minutes. Of a good performance. He explained how he'd always dreamed of scoring against United for City growing up as a City fan in the 1980s. First and only time I've ever took the shirt off celebrating a goal and it just, I think it just shown the emotion that was involved and yeah it was a big moment for me, probably one of the most uh, passionate that, that most passionate I felt after scoring a goal and the most emotional. The icing on the cake for that day came from Sean Wright Phillips. He scored the fourth, an effort from the corner of the box in off the bar. To be honest I actually thought the ball <laughs> was going to roll out. So like I was kind of jogging at first and then when I realised it was going to stay in, I just thought, um, let me just go on a run here and maybe we can get something from here. But when I got to the box, there was nobody really in there. So I thought, if I, if I get half a yard and get a nice connection, possibly I could cause a problem. The goal, though, was perhaps more memorable for the wingers' celebration. Before Peter Crouch made it popular, Wright Phillips performed a robot dance. I was with my cousin at a family event and um, there were some people doing some strange dances in there and one of the people, family members was doing that dance 
So I said to him, if I, if I, when I score my next goal, I said to him, I'll, I'll do that for you. And he said, yeah, right, whatever. So I thought, at first I wasn't actually going to do it, but I thought I promised him, so I just got out. I felt pretty embarrassed after it, though. While City might not be playing at their best at the moment, they always say the form book goes out of the window when the derby comes along. Pep Guardiola will be hoping to bring some of his form from Old Trafford back to the Etihad and improve on last season's 3-1 victory, his first over United at home. Um, you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. 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 I am... You want me to say I'm Dennis Law? I'm listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. Okay, all right. I'm Dennis Law, and you're listening to the Blue Man. Hang on, do it again. again. Okay, I'm Dennis Law, and we're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. Enjoy it. Check out exclusive city interviews on our website, bluemoonpodcast.com. A look back there at some of uh, the big goals in City derbies at home in recent years. Um, I, I mean, Leon, how how's the Manchester derby changed for you from uh, from years ago? Because when you when you think back to those days when City were winning three one at Main Road, four one at Eastlands under Keegan and, and under uh, and, and and whatnot, it feels like certainly that the rivalry has changed from those days. Yeah, the, the rivalry certainly changed. I think um, for Manchester United fans, it was a case of, OK, it's Manchester City, there are City rivals, but they're not a massive threat. Um, so it was kind of more sort of vitriolic from the other side, from the, the, the City side of things. I think things have now gone the other side. It's now Manchester United fans who are... Now, I mean, you speak to any United fan coming up to a, a Manchester derby at the moment, it's certainly the ones I'm around at the moment, and total pessimism, total pe- pessimism. Now, for me, you know, derbies, local derbies um, within your city or um, within the local sort of northwest, I think form goes out the window anyway. I don't think you can ever call it. I mean, the, the sheer fact that we were 2-0 down, United were 2-0 down, and we were able to win 3-2 at the Etihad, I, you know, celebrating those goals you still can't really believe that's happened because you played so poorly. Um, but I think in terms of the rivalry, that's what's changed. City's um, rise has flipped United fans on the other side to where it's now we're full of anxiety coming up to these games and thinking we're going to get beat. Simple as that. We, we could we could be on the end of a thumping, which we have been the past over the past five, six years. How much pressure do you feel going into these, Ali? Uh, I feel a lot of nerves always. Uh, it's different to the Liverpool games. Um, I mean, I'd, I've been properly hating the last couple of times we played Liverpool. It's like for about a, a week beforehand, uh, <laughs> I've just oh been dreading it. Um, and this is probably the first derby for a long time that it feels a bit like it's crept up on me. I've always known it would be at the beginning of December, and from well, actually, when when they published the the fixtures in July or whenever it is, and got that date and marked on the calendar um and yet a couple of weeks ago you know i was thinking about all the other games that are coming and thinking what are liverpool doing and what's going on and and it was, it was to be honest it was only really when uh I, I got a message from you saying do you want to come in the podcast and i was like oh yeah my god it's a derby <laughs> <laughs> forgot about that <laughs> um so yeah, and and it wouldn't be that that with the Liverpool game, so, and, and that might sound a little bit disrespectful to United and to the Disre- game. Disrespect away, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think it's more about it, it's not so much about the, the relationship between City and United, um, which is still as vivid and and visceral as ever. You know, it's like it, it, it drips in blood. Um, it's more that the the big picture that the the rivalry with uh, Liverpool is. It's the one that that um, matters to the to the head, if not the heart. The the Manchester derby is the one that matters in the heart, but the match against Liverpool is the one that your brain knows will actually make a big difference to how the season plays out in the end. Uh, and that's changed it. And I think I probably enjoy derbies more than I used to. That well, I was said, I was going to ask about this mm. because, in a weird sense, does that make the old derby wins, the the, the Sean Gota derby, the Sean Wright Phillips derby, those derbies, does that does that make them a little bit more special? Maybe it does. Yeah. Um, it, it's also, I mean, I think there's something maybe a bit more 
almost carnivalesque about a Manchester derby now. It's a, it, it's a proper occasion. It's a Manchester day. Um, and because the, the result doesn't matter quite so much to the league table as it, as it once did, uh, it, it has changed the, the tone of it. Um, that said, uh, I, I sometimes will... I, I don't have a ticket for the game on Saturday. If... if um, I will sometimes get my mates around or will arrange to go to the pub to watch it or whatever. Um, and the last time I did that for a derby was the one, the, the three to 18 months ago. Uh, and I haven't had a, I haven't had a social <laughs> gather. I, I watch it. I, I hide myself away with a laptop and, and headphones and yeah, hide myself from the world because that's an easier way to deal with it, whatever happens. Yeah, it's, um, f- it's funny because we were talking about this in the in the Patreon bonus show for this week about uh, about the relationship between City and United. And and I mentioned I, I was in New York for the for the one nil uh, FA Cup semi final, and I couldn't bring myself to watch that properly. I you know I was I was I, I couldn't sit down, couldn't sit still. Um, got been at the game in 2012, the company header game. That that was that was almost unbearable. Yeah. Mm. That's how I feel against Liverpool now. And yeah. I don't feel like that against United anymore. Yeah. yeah. But do, do, do you actually enjoy the, the derbies now? Are, are you able to kind of think, okay, this is just a celebration of how good we are and and, and it's a, an occasion for the city? See, I, I thought I did. <laughs> and then the game kicks off. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm absolutely with you, David. That, I think yeah, it's, that, a, that's where I my think it's a direct result as, as well of, of City's success at the minute is that you're fighting with, with Liverpool you know, to to win the Premier League and, and mostly do the trophies um, domestically and, and European wise, um, and I think in terms of uh, mentality, you know, you're gonna grow to hate Liverpool. Hmm. You are. Oh, it's happened already. I, yeah. well, I can't stand. <laughs> it wasn't a quick process. I can't stand Liverpool. I've never had the feeling as a United fan. I've never had the feeling towards City of hate, um, and but Liverpool. I've hated them many times over the over the years, you know, since I started watching football, and I, I don't know what it is with Manx and the Scousers, but when you get, you know, it, it'd be interesting. I mean, there's not many Manx and Scousers on the pitch when the teams meet in terms of um, City and Liverpool, but if you had a couple of Manx in the City team and a couple of Scousers in the Liverpool team, they'd clash. Mm. When when they get together on a football pitch, they just clash when they go against each other. Um, so I think you'd be, that's going to grow. Yeah, That's I think I think something changed between City and Liverpool with the European matches. The bus last season and yeah. the bus particularly. The bus. Um, that I mean, it wasn't so much what happened with the bus because that's just idiots. It, the, the whole atmosphere around that tie. Um, there was something really quite bitter and nasty about all of I it. I wonder if that season it, it goes a tiny bit further back to Mane's red card. Yeah, I, well, yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I think Liverpool were. Uh, livid that we battered them that yeah. day, the Manny, the Manny Red Guard day. Uh, we beat them fair and square, whether or not they did a man sent off. We were much better than they were that day. That was before Klopp's revolution or whatever, whatever you want to call it <laughs> had really kicked in. Um, but we thumped them that day and they were, I think, quite spiteful. I mean, I, I'm not talking about the players or, or Klopp, who have actually got a fair bit of time for. I'm talking about Liverpool fans. Mm. Um they were they were coming for us, and I think it, it created a bit of a, a it created a rivalry that, 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 that yeah, city yeah, haven't that, had, yeah. had no, right. since with United in the in the and it is weird because I mean, we we were um, talking earlier that the funny thing is now that you've got. Uh, United fans almost bringing themselves to cheer for City when we play Liverpool, oh, or at least no when you're looking at. <laughs> no by the way, guys. Okay. Do, just so, just so you guys okay. are aware, they're, they're, you no do it when we're not looking. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Under the table, yeah. No, yeah. believe me, there's no almost about it. Yeah. You know, no, ninety percent of United yeah. fans will be yeah. openly and, cheering. Yeah. No, and and I think, I think that kind of carries over a little bit into the derby as well. It's sort of changed the relationship between City and United fans. Yeah, there's a bit more that a City. United, all of that stuff. Yeah, know, I think you could actually. I mean, I can I can picture. I mean, if I speak to City fans now, I couldn't have pictured back in the day a City fan going to a United a, a Manchester derby with a United fan and sitting in one end and being really sort of amicable. <laughs> I can picture that now. You know, I can almost picture you know where maybe a couple or a um, couple of siblings who go one's a red, one's a blue, and they'll go to the game together, be respectful, and go oh. I couldn't have I couldn't have imagined that back in the day. Yeah. At all. And there was absolutely no chance of City and Liverpool fans going to games together now anymore. How the mighty have fallen, eh, Leon? Oh, without a doubt, mate. Trust uh, me. I'm now thinking about that those beautiful shots from uh, Vincent Company's in laws house when we won the title yeah. last time mm. round. Um and you know, the the 
father-in-law or granddad-in-law, whoever he was sitting there in the United shirt. And that, that kind of, that felt like a, felt like a proper Manchester moment that day. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. So how do you read this one then, Leon? Where, where's, where's this one going to be won and lost? First of all, it's a derby, so form goes out the window. If you put the two teams on paper, City should win that game 10 times out of 10. You know, you put your 11 against United's 11, it should go um, City's way 10 times out of 10. But it, I think the City will win as long as they don't get caught up with the drama. I think we'll try and drag you into the drama of it. You know, the, the pressure of the day of it being a Manchester derby. And, you know, if the, um, if the fans get, if, if you can rile the fans up enough and create that atmosphere that's a little vitriolic and make someone lose concentration for a second, then all of a sudden it's even Stevens. But on paper, if you guys keep your heads, it should be an absolute no-brainer for you guys to win that one. Would you worry, Ali, if uh, United have changed manager by the time the game comes along? <laughs> I guess that would depend if they changed too. But no, I mean, I'd probably, I mean, I don't know. We're, we're, for those who don't know, we're recording this while United are playing, and I'm not sure what the score is right now. But um, uh, no, I, I think it's unlikely they'll have a different manager on Saturday. Um, I, I mean, I've, I've watched... Uh, other than tonight I've watched the last couple of United games and they're so hard to predict what they're going to do from one minute to the next never mind one game to the next you know, we, we were talking about the Sheffield United game before we came on air um, where they were just abject for 75 minutes or something they were one of the worst performances I've, I've seen any Premier League team in many a long year uh, but they have a habit of scoring when they don't deserve it. But then they'll come out and they'll have a 10 minute burst and they'll score three goals as they did that day or, or as they did against us in <laughs> that game that I keep coming back to. Um, so who knows? I, I, I am assuming that United will score. Um, and I think if we win the game, it'll be because if you'll forgive the uh, biggest cliche of them all, it will win because we score more goals than they do. Um, <laughs> I, not because they score fewer goals than us. You know I, I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. I think uh, if you guys get beat on Saturday, if you get beat by United, I think the confidence goes right oh, yeah. down. And not just because you've can lost you, the derby. Can you say that again without smirking? <laughs> no, no. Listen, I want you to beat Liverpool. To, we, we don't you understand about this? <laughs> no, I, I do. And, and I'll tell you why. Because the, the, the lads in the City dressing room now will believe that they will be winning that game on Saturday. They'll absolutely believe every last minute of, of every second until that game that they will win that game. If they don't win it, the confidence goes right back down and it's going to be hard to recover from that because it's a, it's a real big blow. Listen, it's a Manchester derby. Anything could happen, but bottom line is you guys should be winning that comfortably. There we go. Leon might pound on the pressure on City. Um, quick, uh, <laughs> quick look a, a little bit further ahead uh, to uh, the middle of next week. City travel away to, to Dinamo Zagreb. Um, it's, I, I'd com- like, Ali, I'd completely forgotten this game was happening. You know, it's, it's, They've won the group. It's an absolutely nothing game. Um, what is the point of it? Uh, the worst thing about it is you can only choose twenty-five teams and twenty-five players in your squad for the Champions League, can't you? So we have to take uh, our B team. Not I think they C could. Team. I think they could take underage players. Yeah, so under twenty-one. Yeah. Oh, okay. So they could. They could name a raft of under twenties but you oh, know, it no, wouldn't no. wouldn't surprise me if yeah. there was a game no, well, it, scheduled for them at the same time. Not seen yeah, 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 these yeah. days. Mm. Um, it, 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 if ever a game didn't matter, I mean, I remember uh, was it last year or the year before we went to Shakhtar? I think uh, it's, for it's, the uh, it's game. every year. It's every year. For the equivalent game, of course it is, and it was more or less Foden's full start debut I think that game and, and I remember that match um, <coughs> I think uh, Foden played and and uh, Diaz played and there was kind of a, quite a buzz that we got to see these players play an almost competitive match at last um, I don't even have that about next week I, w- I would quite happily send um, the, the what's his name the kit man <laughs> out, to, out to play in the centre of midfield and, and really don't care what happens um, well if, if anybody from City's listening uh, there's three people in the studio here who are, who are up for a run out if you, if you fancy it um, why not Pep you don't yeah. want number mate <laughs> um, it, it, it's funny though because it's it kind of feels like it'll be the last in inverted commas dull Champions League game because he gets the knockout stages yeah. suddenly it changes the competition becomes interesting then I mean I'm, I'm actually a fan of the Champions League I'd, I'll, I'll, um, it gets a lot of stick uh, not least because of UEFA, which we don't need to go into again. But um, you get a lot of really good games in the group stages of the Champions League. Not many involving City for the last two, three years that I can remember. Um, but when you think of what 
actually both Spurs and Liverpool had to do coming back from the dead in the group stages last year. They were great games. And, and you can get um, absolute nail-biters going, going down to the last minute of the group stages, and it's really exciting. If, just, if, if you get 9, 10, 12 points in your first four games or five games... It's um, routine. It's re- you, you don't need to do it. And, and I don't know how you get around it. You just have to, to accept that football throws up these, these dead fixtures from time to time. Um, and... I don't know. Is Zagreb a nice place? Can I get a feeling that uh, maybe I there? have never been. Yeah, I've never been. I don't know. I, you know, maybe, maybe probably find a nice bar, and uh, I bet they do a decent beer. So, <laughs> uh, I don't know. There's like 150 city fans who are probably going out next week because 150 city fans will go absolutely everywhere, and I hope they have a lovely time. <laughs> well, uh, on that sentiment, let's uh, turn to the charity bet. Uh, true to form, we didn't get a win on the charity bet this week, but that does mean that we stay on 430 pounds for the Christie, a hospital treating cancer patients in Manchester. We'll William Hill has given each of us a £10 correct score single and there's two games this week so we'll start with United. Uh, Leon, what, uh, what's your prediction for this one? 3-1 City. 3-1 City yeah. is uh, 9-1 so uh, £90 if you're right. Ali, what are you having? Uh, since you told me earlier that there's only ever been one goal in it in the last few years I'll go for 3-2. 3-2 to City I assume. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, <laughs> just just, just in case it has happened. You know. no, the pessimism hasn't gone that far mate. Uh, is uh, 20 to 1 so uh, £200 if you're right. Um, I, I'm going to go for a 2-0 City win. I think it'll be, uh, be be quite a tight game but I think City will, will finally keep that clean sheet we've been uh, been crying out for. Uh, that's 11 to 2 and that's £55 if I'm right. Uh, that brings us on to Dinamo Zagreb. Uh, Liam what are you having? 2-0 City. 2-0 to City is 11 to 1 so uh, £110 if you're right. Ali? Uh, just this once I'll say nil one. Well, actually, no, yeah, one nil. Sorry, it's a Zagreb or the city. Zagreb will yeah. beat us. Uh, that's sixteen to one. Ooh. So uh, one hundred and sixty pounds if you're right. Uh, I'm going to go for a draw. I'm going to say a, a one-all draw, which is uh, thirteen to two, which is sixty-five pounds if I'm right. So you've got to be eighteen or over to gamble. Prices can change, and please gamble responsibly. Check out begambleaware.org for more information. Now it's time to hear from Howard Hawking. He's back this week talking about how the Manchester derby has changed in the last decade. <laughs> it's Derby Week, though it may have slipped to your mind. It's not surprising if it has. After all, Derby Week is a rather different beast to what it used to be, or even what it was just a few years ago, and this Derby Week may be the weirdest one of the lot. United's billion pounds has brought them a ragtag bunch of mercenaries who have redefined the word mediocrity. It is astonishing really to chronicle the missteps they've repeatedly taken since Alex Ferguson retired. Still, City and our fan base are going through their own lower level crisis of faith. After all, failure to secure three successive league titles, should that be the case, is seen nowadays as underachievement. Freilander could do better. Perhaps this is why Bravado is in short supply on both sides, though a midweek match has not helped. Past results proved too that little is for certain on Derby Day. The Derby Week of old used to follow a predictable path. Little old City were the whipping boys, the weak wimps in the playground that got to play with and be beaten by the prefects twice a season three times if they were really unlucky. United legends will be wheeled out to patronise the boys in blue and consider the inconceivable, namely that City could get a result despite what a pitiful outfit they were. And sometimes City did get a result, but the media output never changed, never veered from its absolute course. Of course, these days are long gone. City will this season finish above United for the seventh season on a row, and who could accurately predict when this run will end? Probably with new owners, Pochettino in charge, a couple of years more of transition and yet another impressive war chest. And even then it's still unlikely. No, Derby Week is rather different nowadays. More low-key, the red-soaked media preferring to keep their counsel for some reason. And this means Paul Scholes is at least quiet once more. Instead he was busier this week criticising Freddie Lundberg for not wearing a suit for his managerial debut. Lundberg would no doubt be devastated at the savaging he received from the managerial giants that is Skulls, a man of such experience and wisdom from his 31 days as Oldham manager. Just another failure given an undeserved spotlight with which to display their staggeringly uneducated, trite, meaningless drivel to the nation. Nevertheless, despite the struggles across the city boundary, Derby Day does not get any easier, for me at least. It's a strange state of affairs when I worry, slightly, about the possible return from injury of Scott McTominay, 
which can only mean that pre-Derby nerves are affecting my judgement, or that City just don't give me confidence right now, even against a non-league standard manager. It's also rather damning about United's options too, though. But one game can change the entire mood you have for your club, as a resultant performance against Burnley ably demonstrated. The scenes in the unlit changing room post-match showed what that meant to Pep and the players. We got our City back, and our mojo too. Now they have to keep it up, because the rest of the month is not going to get any easier, and there is no time to rest on their laurels. And I needed that victory too, as the last couple of months have proven to me that I still invest too much in my football club, in that results shape my mood more than is healthy. The Liverpool factor is certainly part of that, as if we were losing a title race with Chelsea, I think it would be much easier to deal with, for reasons that should be obvious to us all. Across the city there is no hope at all though, so it's probably an easier ride now that the realisation of what they are will have sunk in. The problem for United is that they've lost their superpower, or at least it has been diminished. That power is having more money than everyone else. When things got tough, and football is cyclical so hard times cannot be avoided, relative to expectations at least, then they simply went and bought a rival's best player and all was well again. They are still a cash cow of course, but in the world's most popular league, awash with cash, with their cross-city rivals gunning for global domination, they are no longer the only cash cow. Players are being bought for over £100 million, and it's not even by City or United. Soon City's income may be greater than United's, at least once you factor in what the Glazers have sliced off for themselves. Repeatedly churning through managers and players just isn't going to cut it. Quite simply, United have been destroyed by their own history. That magical night in Barcelona has had some barely conceivable consequences, Namely that it's resulted in them employing a manager because he scored a big goal 20 years ago. The managerial equivalent of City bringing Joey Barton to the club as manager, but without the cigars, punch-ups and mooning, as far as I'm aware. The caretaker position had some logic, but to allow sentiment to rule and judgement to be clouded by an impressive honeymoon period has seen them stumble into another metaphorical ravine. Solskjaer had a contract until the end of last season, but got the permanent gig just as his methods were beginning to be shown up for what they were, the honest endeavours of a nice man, with managerial skills more suited to the championship or below. After all, Mould have just romped to the Norwegian title by 14 points at the first opportunity after Ole left. It seems his moderate success there was actually holding them back. Who knew? And of course, by hiring the cheapest option, as I've said before, the Glazers and Edward Wood could pull the world from under him in the transfer market, giving no support whatsoever and leave him to fight against the tide by himself, safe in the knowledge he's unlikely to kick up much of a fuss or resign. And so on simple form, City should win on Saturday, of course. Who could have imagined United turning up at City at odds of 9-1 to to win? Not me for most of my life, that is for sure. Derby Day doesn't work on form or talent, though, which is a shame. But City's return to top form counts for little if they do not use it as a springboard for the run of victories. But what it did was restore the mood of fans after a tricky period, and it needs a night like that at Turf Moor to remind us fans what a glorious ride we've been on. For me, that journey began at Wembley, against United, and it continued through the 6-1-0 Trafford win, the last Gasp title win, and through many more great Derby Day wins. Let's hope this weekend, another great memory is formed, but that City aren't that good that the opposition manager loses his job. No one wants that. Hi, this is Sean Gooder, and you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. You're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. You've made it this far, so don't give up now. Howard Hawking there. Now it's time to finish with Ask the Panel. Uh, send your questions in for next week. Get them in on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast. You can email us through our website, bluemoonpodcast.com. You can also check out all of our old interviews on there as well. And you can search for us on Instagram to send us a message through Blue Moon Podcast on there. Uh, N Piffa has been in touch on Instagram first up to ask, uh, what are your thoughts with regards to the January transfer window? Lots of talk about centre-backs. Do you think City will sign someone? Uh, before I get your thoughts on that, this is what Pep Guardiola had to say about uh, potential incomings in January. Uh, speaking to uh, the Daily Mail's Jack Gorn in the press conference on Friday. Has there been a change in strategy looking ahead to January? Do you think you... No. So you definitely, definitely won't spend any money? And how do you... I don't want any player in January. Is that because it kind of disrupts the team mid-season? I don't want any player. We cannot do it in summer, we cannot do it in January. So 
when when they come for an incredible opportunity in January to for the next four or five or six years, maybe you could think about it, but that is not possible. Normally, the players, maybe we could think it will be interesting to add something for our squad. Uh, they are not going to sell it. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Pep Guardiola there flat out denying that there'll be any transfer activity, which kind of renders this question pointless, does it, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it would, I was just thinking, I think he said exactly the same thing about two days before he signed Laporte couple of years ago in the January window. So you can never quite take what Pep says on, on these things um, 100%. But uh, I think... I, I'm not a fan of January transfers generally. I mean, uh, Laporte was a, a fantastic signing, but he's the exception rather than the rule. Um, and also, I mean, we've got so many players uh, coming back from injury or who will be coming back from injury in January and February Um one of the hardest things for, I, I would imagine, for a, a manager like Pep in a club like City is trying to keep a dressing room happy, trying to keep everyone playing. Um, the problem with, for example, finding another world-class centre-half and bringing him in, uh, Laporte comes back, Fernandinho is still there and probably going to be one of our first-choice centre-halves for at least another six months, but I think probably 18 months. Um, and you've then got kids coming through, you've still got Otamendi and Stones, hopefully able to come back to form. Um, you then end, end up with another world-class centre-half and one of them isn't playing every week. Uh, and while we've got Laporte out, while we've got Zinchenko out, I mean, I, uh, a couple of a couple of weeks ago, I had a, I had a bit of a meltdown uh, and in a slightly drunken uh, rant, I said to a mate, right, we need a left-back. Uh, Mendy... It's just not happening anymore. His 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 moment has passed, um, and uh, Zinchenko's unavailable at the moment. Angelino's not quite there yet. Uh, we have to go out and we have to buy Chilwell or for and go to the south of Europe and buy a world class left back. Um, and then I calmed down a bit, and I want Zinchenko back. And if we signed another. Angelino, you know, Cancelo level player uh, who's then in and it's one more name on the bench, one more figure in the dressing room um, and it means Zinchenko is not getting on the field even when he is back and fit. Uh, I like a happy ship and I like having enough players to fill all the games we've got and then not too many left over at the end of that. The problem would come as well is they'd have to be English because of City's uh, ratio of, of uh, homegrown players and non-homegrown players, that unless City were to, to get rid of a foreign player in the January window, they couldn't sign a, another foreign player and register them in the Premier League. Mm. So that, that, that throws another spanner in the works there. Leon, what about uh, uh, January transfers, I mean, uh, Laporte aside, is it, is it hard moving mid-season? Yeah. Uh, I think in terms of... I think it's hard moving. It's hard finding the right player, first and foremost, because... Half of the players that you're going to want are playing in the Champions League already for a team, so they're not going to want to move. Um, you're probably going to play, pay an extra 30-40% on top of their normal price. Which is already January, inflated these days. Which is days. already inflated. So, um, And then you want, to, you want to keep the people at UEFA happy with the FFP and all that rubbish. Um, so I think in terms of um, personnel... If you if you're gonna go and get someone in January, they don't they tend to be a stopgap, not a solution. It's like you know, plug in plug in a, a leak with a you know a, a rag. Yeah. At some um, point, that rag's. We've got quite a few stopgaps at the moment. Yeah. Got, yeah. So I think in terms of stop, you know, you, you say Zinchenko now. Zinchenko's he's not a bad player by any stretch of the imagination. If in two years' time Pep's not here and you play a style of football that means you don't have as much of the ball as possible. I think Zinchenko will find himself in, in problems, personally. That's just watching him play, myself. Um, I think Mendy's another one who's benefited from that, the fact that you guys have a lot of the ball. If if he if he didn't have a lot of the ball, I'm not sure how good those... What The point I'm making is I don't know what those guys are like under pressure defensively, because at the moment they have it quite quite easy, quite cushy in terms of having, um, having the, the majority of the game with the football. Um, but I do think if you were going to go and get a left back, it would have to be someone like a Chilwell. 
Um, maybe you'd want to take Luke Shaw from United. <laughs> no, you're okay there. You, can't, you, can't, you can't come in here and start farming players out. No, I, I think uh, he'll score at the weekend. Then, yeah, exactly. No, I think I think you do need to look at that season, and I think you do need to look at the the. I don't want to say English having an English core, but you want a, a, a you know a few British players dotted around your first team, your first 16, 17. Um, not, not just to fill gaps. I mean, I feel like the, the ones that you guys have signed over the past 10 years or so, your Rodwells, your Delphs, they're okay. The squad players. Sterling's but... not bad. Yeah, Sterling. <laughs> <a one-off>. Sterling, <laughs> yeah. Stones, Milner. Sterling, Stones, good... Milner. Yeah, 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 they've not been too bad. <laughs> but in terms of um, having a core, you know, you're going to need a core of, of British players to sort of continue here, especially once Pep's gone, because they're the ones that are going to hold the values most. Uh, David Lamb's been in touch on Twitter. Uh, we've now got a couple of games against mid-table sides before the big game with Leicester. Uh, how much do City rotate over the next two matches? Uh, just to kind of throw you under the bus, Leon, uh, it's uh, games against uh, United at home and Arsenal away, mid-table sides. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you're asking the question? Yeah, yeah. How do, how do City... Ro- how, uh, it kind of comes back to Ali's point about happy dressing room. How do, you, how do you keep everybody happy while also making sure that you're strong enough to win the games? Well, I think um, in terms of keeping players happy if you have a first 11 and say you have uh, I don't know four fullbacks and two oh. of those fullbacks are playing seven to nine out of ten every week the other two on the bench can't say they know they can't say anything they can't go into the manager's office and go why am I not playing because all he'll say is well he's flying you know so in terms of that I don't think there'll be a problem as long as you're playing well if it's a case of your form's up and down again and you might have a bad game here and a good game there that's where players start to get touched because they think well why am I not in the team if we're playing this poorly or how how is it that the guy in my position gets a run of three or four games to prove himself and I get 60 minutes so that's where you you know Pep's going to be quite clever in, in terms of um, maybe rotation but He's not really a man to rotate anyway. He's got his best 11. He sticks with that best 11 and usually it's injury or suspension that will make him deviate from that. I think in terms of um, your first 11, I think all three of us could sit here and write City's strongest first 11 out and if everybody's fit and I don't think there'd be many differences. I don't think we'd sit here and go, oh, you've got like four different players to I have and you've got maybe five, Ali. I think we'd be within two, one or two players of each other um, in terms of the starting 11 personally I think we've got a first 15 thereabouts mm. um, I'm not sure we could pick a first 11 I mean I don't know for example Bernardo Omar is, is a toss of the coin we could argue about that one all day um, and the second centre I mean if we assume Fernandinho is actually now our, currently our number one Centre back. If, if everyone fit, you said, um, I don't know who would play alongside Laporte, but I think it would probably be Fernandinho. But you'd get some more opinions about that one as well. Um, and we're now getting to the point where Cancelo is starting to push Kyle Walker quite hard. Um, so th- there's scope for arguments there. I think um, probably disagree slightly with Leon in that I think Pep does drop players when he thinks they've not done well enough for a game. Um, very famously, when uh, the it was recorded in the um, Amazon Prime All or Nothing documentary, uh, when Sterling missed an open goal, and he hauled him off, and he hauled him off and dropped him the next game uh, as a punishment for that one moment. Uh, so you know that that's fairly brutal. Um, and I think the way uh, Pep has been managing Mares and Bernardo. Uh, all this season is he's been saying to both of them if you play well enough this game you'll stay on for the one after and if you don't then he's in Um, and that's ongoing and it doesn't strike me as something Pitt naturally wants to do but I think there's a little between them now and he's trying to get the absolute best out of both of them and he's not quite getting it definitely not getting it from Bernardo at the moment Um, my feeling is that both at their best Bernardo is a better player than Mahrez is um, but he's been well short this year. So, yeah, I mean, Pep will continue to do what he always does, which is pick a slightly different 11 each week, but out of the same 14, 15. Mm. Um, and they'll all have a turn. Um, and it's really important that we stay in the FA Cup and that we stay in the League Cup 
because getting the, the, the players who are kind of in the 16 to 25 berths, they're the ones that I worry about and they need those cup games as well. It's interesting you say that because I think the final question I was going to throw at you was was how long can they kind of rely on the fact that Phil Foden supports City? Uh, what, in, terms of, in, terms in terms of keeping, keeping him happy, there, keeping yeah. him happy. Um, I don't know, I don't know the lad. Um, I think probably quite a long time. I think... Uh, all the signs I'm picking up are that he's absolutely loving his life and he's loving learning from the best manager in the world and being surrounded by the best players in the world and all of that. Um, he's, what, 19 years old now? If he's getting all those runner cup games going all the way up to next year, then a bit more on the promise that David Silva is in his last year and that next year that berth is Phil Foden's... Um, what happens come January or next summer and uh, we go out and sign another number eight? Uh, that changes the picture significantly, I think, because Foden is pushing hard for that first choice spot in the team. Um, and he can see it. You know, it, There's light at the end of the tunnel now. If Pep comes in and buys, I, I don't know who it would be, but somebody kind of you know, above him in the picking order for that David Silva spot, then I would... I wouldn't blame Phil Foden if if he looked elsewhere. I would hope he would look at Spain or Italy or Germany. Yeah. I uh, I bumped into Phil Foden in Nando's. Claim to fame. Did you have um, a word? I didn't know because he he was there with his family and there was only me and my partner and him and his partner in and we kind of thought it was a bit a bit odd and they'd sat us at opposite ends of the uh, of the, of the restaurant. <laughs> so I kind of thought, uh, I you know, I, on this occasion I'm not going to go over. <laughs> Can yeah. I just say uh, I. I think there is a, a time limit on Phil Foden in terms of he's going to be looking around at his mates now. You know, he was in that group alongside Jaden Sancho, who went and won uh, the World Cup, the under-17s. Uh, Jaden Sancho's now been playing in the Champions League regularly for, for Dortmund. Um, and won, smashing it. Smashing it, absolutely smashing it. And he's going to come back to England, whatever club that is, I don't know, but he's going to come back to England and I, I'm guessing it'll be a revelation. He's in the England team. We'll probably go to the Euros next summer, which Phil won't, unfortunately, because I think England really crying out for a player like him. Um, but I think where you'll find Phil Foden making a bit of a fuss, maybe leading up to sort of the middle of next season, and I say that because the, well, the World Cup comes up yeah. in two years, um, and after after this summer coming, um, there's going to be the World Cup qualifiers. He's going to want to be involved in that and he won't be involved in that if he's not playing first team football. Does he go on loan? Maybe, but he can't sit on the bench for much longer. He, he needs to be unleashed. And I know Pep's doing a really good job of protecting him. We've got to play the kid. We've got to give him minutes. He's more, than, he's more than good enough now. He's more than good enough. We can all see it, but he needs to gain some consistency. He's 19. We say that as if it's young in football. If you're a top Notch player at 19 isn't young you should be playing as Mike Bassett once said if you're, if you're old enough you're good enough oh, there yeah. you go <laughs> Mike Bassett uh, well that's it for this week's Blue Moon Podcast and fingers crossed for a positive result in the Manchester Derby to kick on from that performance against Burnley I'll be back next week to discuss the talking points from that match if you want to hear a bit more about Manchester Derbies and discussion around that then you can support the show on Patreon and get yourself a bonus podcast each week this week's is our best Manchester Derby memories so uh, go and take a look at patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast it's just $2 a month or about £1.50 in UK terms. If you've enjoyed this week's show then please go and give it a rating and a review on iTunes because it helps other City fans find us uh, but for now that's it, so special thanks to my guests this week, Leon Mike. Thank you. And Ali Fogg. Absolute pleasure. And I'll see you next time. Take care. the blue moon podcast please support the show patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast